your favourite albums. Disgust. Track by track. On today's podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Campbell and Jack. Hello and welcome back to Track by Track with Campbell and Jack. I'm Campbell. I'm Jack. Oh, sorry, you were going to do it. And joining me as always, Jack Walker. I thought thought I'd just take initiative uh, and introduce myself this week. We generally do do that at the end of the podcast, don't we? We we do. We close at that. uh, Force of habit. Yeah, I suppose so. Uh, How are you, Jack? I'm very, very good. There's plenty of stuff to get through this week. We've got announcements galore. We've got an album to get through. But first, just for everyone, don't forget to leave a rating and review on iTunes if you enjoyed the podcast. And also, don't don't forget to join the conversation on Facebook. Absolutely. Well, let's just dive straight in. Let's look at some news this week. News. There's a lot of news. Lots so, of news. Uh, I had a bit of an introdu- introduction plan for you. I was going to say the man uh, already first in line for Robbie Williams tickets. Oh, oh, my goodness me. That's that's the biggest news of the week. Robbie Williams, Feb 28. Something like that, Feb yeah. Feb 28. Yeah. We're, we're actually recording this from the ticket line right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's only 150 people in front of me. Outside Rod Laver Arena. Yeah, that's... I missed him um, when he came on his last tour. Was that when he was doing the, what was it like the jazz thing or uh, the swing? He was a, yeah, doing I the think swing so. Something album. like that. Yeah, swing both ways. Um, so, yeah, I missed that. And I was, we're actually, my girlfriend and I were flying to Singapore. Excuses. On the night he was performing. And oh. so I looked to see if, if he was it was coming, possible. If, it, if he was going to go to Singapore. Oh, if it was, oh, that wasn't. would have been amazing. But he was going to Malaysia, but we weren't going there at that time. So. Mm. so here it is. That's my chance. That's the best news of the week. I'd be keen to see it. He's an amazing performer. Amazing. I just love Robbie Williams. I'm, I'm surprised you haven't brought up a Robbie Williams album to do on the podcast yet. We've sort of talked about it, but we haven't done one yet. Yeah, I've got one. Um, it's just whether it fits in. You know, we get all these kind of ideas and we kind of go off in different directions. But it'll be interesting to see in the coming months. Yes. Um, December and January and February, kind of what we do over the new year. If we're still on air. Well, it's only September now. Yeah, only September. With, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's already September, I should say, the fact mm. that it's gone so quickly. Yeah, we're recording this on the 1st. On the 1st, so pinch punch, mate. First day of the month, slips <laughs> out, can't do it back. Remember when, you used to, remember when everyone used to do that at primary school? Yeah, I mean, it only happened 12 times a year, but when they did it, it hurt. It, it was like an event, yeah, wasn't absolutely. it? Yeah, And you go, oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> oh yeah, true. The other bit of news, so alongside Robbie Williams, there's still a bit more news. Brian Johnson made a resurgence this week. I Campbell, know, I know he did, didn't he? Which was absolutely fantastic because Brian Johnson... One of the great rock and roll singers. Great friend of the podcast as well. Brilliant friend of the podcast. He yeah. loves the show. He's always oh, there. Brian. <laughs> he's always there. Gives we, us gives us a bit of support. He doesn't want us to do a uh, an ACDC album because he's a little bit nervous. Yeah, he's a bit he's say. a bit nervous. Yeah. So, little, yeah. little shy, but yeah. Uh, so of course he's not singing for ACDC anymore, which is an absolute shame. Hopefully he comes back. Uh, but if he is going to come back, this is a fantastic sign. So it was Muse were performing over the weekend or earlier this week, and they jumped into Back in Black with guess who Brian Johnson. Absolutely. And I and I showed you a little bit of this just before the podcast. What did you think? It's pretty good. He it's, sounds very he good. He sounds really good. And what I on the ACDC note, I don't I don't want him to join ACDC. I want him. We talked a few months back about him doing a a, a slash type project where he gets like all these different musicians. Yes, musicians. Maybe even a super group. 
Interesting. Could be formed. I, d- I don't know why you'd bring up Supergroup. Uh, well, uh, yeah, don't know about Just that. Just saying, if, you, if he and a couple other guys could join and be a Supergroup, that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> That would be interesting. Actually, uh, we'll just play a little bit of that yeah, performance. Yeah, let's play that. Performance and you can see how it's how how singing. Well. Oh, very tight, yeah. So here you go. <laughs> So it's great to see him uh, performing again. And a- again, Muse sounded very, very good. They did the song justice. Hmm. Uh, the drums in particular, it's not really the thing you notice with ACDC, but Phil Rudd has that totally yeah, commanding, the... steady beat. Yeah, he's almost got that kind of Ringo Starr thing to him where you could hear him and go, oh, yeah, that's Phil Rudd. Mm. Like you can hear Ringo Starr playing and go, oh, yeah, it's Ringo Starr. Yeah, bingo. Uh, Dom, I think his uh, name is the guy from Muse, the drummer. Oh, yeah. So well done to him. Hi, Dom. But the final bit of news this week. So we're a little bit late to the party on this one. I told you this story beforehand. Uh, I heard about this story a couple of days after we released the previous podcast. Now, there was the big solar eclipse over in America. Yes. And uh, as with solar equi- eclipses, eclipses. <laughs> There's always the warnings, you know, you're not supposed to look uh, directly at what, it. What actually happens? Like, what actually happens to, like... Oh, it, it'll burn your retinas right out of your eyeballs. But it's out of your eyeballs. But isn't, isn't the eclipse when the moon goes over the sun? It's when the moon passes by the sun and reveals that first bit of the sun again, and it's just like this real bright, intense light. Is there? Okay, Yeah. Cool. There you go. If you, also educational. It's a science show as well. Yeah, yeah for the year 12 science students. <laughs> <laughs> it gets me every time. Yeah, I know. Surely they'd be all over that if they do it in Year Twelve science. They we can don't. we can be played to just about any Year Twelve <laughs> class, couldn't we? Absolutely. Well, we've done English, music, <laughs> literature. We we got to get around to mathematics. <laughs> maybe maybe, 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 rock. maybe when we do like time signatures, we can yeah. make that fra- fractions. Yeah, for, the, for them. Uh, but anyway, but so five over eight for you. <laughs> Yourself. This is what this is, this is what it sounds like when you clap it out. Yeah. Now what's that plus four four? Absolutely. Um, but anyway, you might remember, did you see the footage of Donald Trump looking at the sun? Yeah. Before, he, before like a security guard. Yeah, it's now a meme. Yeah, it's a meme. Which is how I know it. So he was uh, lucky, or in our case, unlucky enough to uh, avoid uh, tragic eye injuries. Yeah, but a good friend of yours a good friend of yours is is not going too well in the old records. No, uh, Joey Badass yeah. Campbell. And by Joey Badass, I'm referring to badass ass spelt with two uh, dollar signs. Yeah. Which is uh, which is very uh, very tasteful, very cool, and very cool. It's what the kids are doing these days. So he's a what a hip hop rapper from the US. He is. He's one of those one of those new funky singers. Yeah. He sounds so old, dude. <laughs> he's one of these new fellows out there doing the rapping and the hip hops. <laughs> the hip hops. The technos. The techno- and the- he's one of those, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, he wasn't as uh, lucky as the President of the United States. He uh, had a bit more of a look at the eclipse. Yeah, right. And uh, he was blinded for a while. Or he's partially blinded. He's got to wear these special sunglasses for the rest of his life. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's not very cool, is it? 
Well, he he tries to make it cool. Like he posted something on like Instagram or something. He's like, Duck said I gotta keep these on in the daytime now. It's a little annoying, but they're pretty fun. Right. That's my Joey badass voice. He sounds he sounds like he should be working on like Fifth Avenue selling <laughs> like corn dogs. <laughs> yeah, hey, go and get a corn dog. Get your corn dog. Yeah. Um, you know, to his credit, they're actually, you know, pretty cool sunglasses, but uh if uh, you have to wear those every day for the rest of your life. I'm not sure you'd be really happy about it. Yeah, so, they look like Ray Charles and Stevie Wonder. Yeah. I mean, they're proper blind. They're not just like a little bit. But they rock their glasses. Oh, yeah. They do. Yeah. So he had to cancel a fair few shows because of this. And, uh, Why? Why? Yeah. Why? Why does he have to close it? Well, because I'm sure of all the treatment he had to receive as a, as a result of it. Right. So anyway, that's the news done and dusted. So Campbell, you brought up supergroups earlier. Mm. I have no idea why. Right. But <laughs> I see. I'm, I'm going to uh, call it a bit of a hunch and say it had something to do with our new theme month. Absolutely. Very exciting. So if you don't know already, there's some stuff posted on the Facebook page about it. We did a Facebook Live thing mm. uh, before we recorded. This is probably being released, this podcast probably being released on Sunday, but we recorded a little Facebook Live thing on Friday to officially announce it. But we are doing Supergroup September, a, a month where we will be looking at Supergroups, uh, you know, some of their albums, who makes Supergroups, what makes an actual Supergroup. Yeah, and 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 why? Yeah, why? Why, why form one? Why form one, exactly. So firstly, what is a Supergroup, Campbell? By by no definition, but actually, let's get it. Let's get a definition, right? Let's actually. Well, he's going to open up the Googles here. This is very controversial on the podcast. I'll, gi- I'll give you my definition, and then I'll give you the actual definition. Okay, right? so you so go. So my first. definition is that it's a, a series of musicians uh, or a, a group of musicians that uh, get get together. Uh, they already have kind of a claim to their name, yeah. anyway. So they're already, they're already kind of famous, if you will. And they form a band, and then they you know tour or make a record or whatever. Get, get inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, in I twenty-five mean, years. It could be it could be a once-off. Could be a charity gig. Mm. Whatever. Now, and now you've got the definition uh, up here on a the super computer group in music. A supergroup is a music group whose members are already successful solo artists as parts of other groups or well-known in other musical professions. Usually used in the context of rock and pop music, the term has been applied to other genres such as the three tenors in opera. Opera was one I didn't really think of. Yeah. Uh, that, that's very true, but it certainly is a... It's a very rock and pop dominated yeah. uh, style or just a sort of group. Absolutely. If you look at uh, supergroups, uh, supergroups are sometimes formed as side projects and thus not intended to be permanent. Yeah. Um, so there you go. Uh and in 1974, Time Magazine <laughs> you're, said, you're, on, you're on a roll here. Uh, the supergroup was a potent but short-lived rock phenomenon. Uh, but, you know, we're still seeing supergroups formed today. So Exactly. Well, a recent, a recent example I can think of is Chickenfoot. Chickenfoot? You remember Chickenfoot? I, I, unfortunately, I do remember Chickenfoot. It was quite the interesting amalgamation Mark of Anthony. different artists. Yeah, Mark Anthony, Sammy Hagar, Chad Smith, and Joe Satriani. Yeah. And it should it should work? It should work. By those names, but it just didn't. Yeah, it didn't. Like, it wasn't bad, no. but it was just like, oh, you know, that's like very unoriginal, and like they're, in regards to their material, it was just sort of uninspiring yeah, to a right. degree. So they did their best, and that sort of leads on to the point of why form a supergroup. And since supergroups started being formed, we've seen them form for a lot of different reasons. In the case of the album we're doing today, it's almost like the case of 
you know, a couple guys from established bands or solo careers will come together and say, you know, we should we should jam sometime. Mm. We'll see what it leads on to. In some cases, it's a very much a popularity, uh, attention sort of thing. It's like, yeah. hey, I'm doing this with these guys. Buy yeah. our album. We'll make lots of money. Mm. It's very much, uh, you know, maybe not necessarily doing it for the right reasons. And I always saw... Chicken foot as a maybe a bit of column A and column B. I think so. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Absolutely. Yeah, I think we talked about doing chicken foot, but I think we opted uh, very, very uh, early on before we realised there's probably yeah. a lot of better albums that could be and discussed. Not, I mean, we could do them because they're so bad. It's like bad, so bad. It's almost good. Well, you know? that's your style of music, isn't it? Yeah, even that just didn't really. Yeah. I didn't really click with. Right. So we probably that's probably done a bit of news. Oh, another bit of news. This isn't, this isn't planned. This is just what I've come up to my head. Off the, off the cuff, go on. Um, Dave Grohl was in Sydney a few nights ago. I heard about this. And he yes. put up uh, put up Chevy Metal on, Chevy metal on with, tonight. With was, Taylor put, Hawkins. Put up one sign uh, outside a theatre and it was sold out within an hour. Mm. Um, just doing it. It's him and Taylor and... It's pretty much just them, I think. Right. Maybe some other musos. And they do some random covers. Yeah, it was pretty much just like all covers. Like they did Under Pressure. Yeah. They did maybe like, I think they did a Bowie song. Yeah. Um, you understand that Under Pressure is a Bowie song, right? Uh, oh, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, I, f- I forgot. I, I associate I did, that more with Queen more than anything. I didn't want to... Uh, um, just essentially lots of covers. I think they did some Van Halen. I just think that's the ultimate. Like That's when you know you've made it. Yeah, you can sell out a place in 30 minutes just doing classic rock covers. Yeah, that's the best. So. I, I saw a couple of clips from that and it looked pretty cool. Yeah, it would be. Just do it in Melbourne. Yeah, exactly right. Do it in Melbourne. Where would you do it? Like Princess Theatre or something? No, it's got to be somewhere a little smaller. Corner? Even smaller. 170 Russell? Even smaller. Junction Hotel? Q? Yeah, that'll work. Okay, cool. <laughs> Just a bit of a plug to your uh, workplace. Yeah, it's a nice, nice pub down there. Come and, come and say hello. Uh, because the venue they performed at was really small from what I saw. Like, yeah. literally, the person in the front row who was filming was standing half a metre away from Dave Grohl. Yeah. Also, um, this would be on Sunday, so happy Father's Day. That's true. Happy Father's fathers. Day to all the fathers. And that's about it. Yeah. That's all of the news. That's all of the news, all of the announcements, Supergroup September and all that. So we'll move on to our album of the week now. So... We're going to start all the way back in 1969 with the release of an album by a supergroup formed by three uh, extremely talented songwriters who came together, f- did this album. Someone else came along a little bit later who we won't talk about ruined today. It all. I'm not even sure if he, he ruined it all, but un- like, there, there was a sort of magic. I don't like it. Not, not a fan of uh, Neil Young. Neil Young. Don't say that word. <laughs> It's like saying Macbeth in a theatre, you know? (laughs) Never say Neil Young on a podcast. Especially a music one. Yeah. So today we will be looking at the group Crosby, Stills and Nash and their 1969 debut album. Obviously it was Stephen's record and whatever Stephen wanted was going to be there. But we also made it because of history. I wanted somebody in a hundred years' time to... If they were curious at all about the three of us, and you could get a real good idea of who these people were. We were trying to think of the name, you know, and all the animals were taken. Uh, <laughs> so we decided to use our names, and why? Well, because we can use it as a mothership, you see, and keep coming and going, and you know, often doing our own things. We're storytellers. 
And we have stories forever about who we played with, how we started, what, what made us get into music in the first place, you know, the events that we've been at, the music we made, the people that we pissed off, you know. I, Many of the stories we can actually tell you. Yes. Crosby, Stills, and Nash. No young, though. No young. No young. Not, not yet. Not yet. So there was a certain magic that these three had on this album. I haven't heard much of their stuff that they did uh, after this, but th- from what I heard from this album, it was just fantastic. Yeah. And I can certainly see why they would want an extra person in there mm. uh, to help with, you know, make the better better, essentially. Yeah, right. But really, the magic was with these three, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So Crosby, Stills and Nash... Uh, so three members, David Crosby. So we're going to provide a bit of background just quickly for every super group we do this month. We're going to provide a bit of background for every member, you know, what that member did previously and then, you know, how the band actually, uh, came to form. Yeah. So David Crosby was a member of the birds who were, uh, I say David Van Corland Crosby. Oh, sorry. Van Corland. (laughs) Van Corland. That's weird. Uh, of course, from the birds. From the birds who were a... You know, it's sort of a similar style to this uh, this band, Crosby, Stills and Nash. Yeah. You know, country, folky, with a bit of psychedelic influence in there. Yep. Then we move on to David Stills, who was a member of Buffalo Springfield. Mm. Again, similar sort of uh, style. Yeah. And then Graham Nash, who was a member of the Hollies. Yes, he was. Who were uh, gra- another great band. Yeah, So all these fantastic bands from the 60s who... who I think all of them went on to do other stuff post these members leaving. Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting. So here is the story of how they all came together. So apparently there was a bit of argy-bargy in the birds in late 1967 and David Crosby was dismissed. Along those lines as well, in early 1968, Buffalo Springfield uh, broke up. Mm-hmm. And so that left David Stills. What was and, their song, Buffalo Springfield? Oh, gee, that's a good question. So Who was he from? Who's what was that? David Stills was from Buffalo Springfield. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. You seem uncertain. Yeah, that's not what I thought. I thought it was the other way around. Oh. No, you're right there. Yep. And at this stage, they ended up meeting up and just, you know, at a very informal schedule, they just started jamming a little that's bit. That's the way you got to do it, you know. Yeah. Got the acoustic guitar and see what happens. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the final member, Graham Nash. So he was a member of the Hollies. Uh, so... He met uh, David Crosby when they were touring in the UK with the Birds in 1966. Uh, and then when the Hollies came to California, which is where Crosby, Stills and Nash formed uh, in 1968, um, he was very creatively frustrated, I suppose, with the Hollies. You know, some of his songs... I think the Hollies ended up saying that they weren't commercial enough. Okay, right. Yeah. So he was very frustrated of, about all of that, ended up leaving the band, joined the other two, and all of a sudden, the band was born. It was huge. That was a nice little uh, little section you did on your own there. Well, thank you. Yeah, was, you know, well, well put together. I'm very proud of you. They very soon realised that they had this unbelievable vocal chemistry, which is, which is the defining uh, aspect of this band. Yeah, absolutely. Is, you'll hear all these harmonies as we go through the album that are just fantastic. And... Um, they actually auditioned for the Beatles Apple's record Apple Apple Records. Really? Yeah. Uh and ended up signing with Atlantic cuz they uh weren't really accepted by Apple. Oh. Huh. Which is a bit sad, but Hush. it ended up working all right for them. Yeah, I think it's 
It's all right. Really. So sorry to bring you up, up again, but of course Neil Young came into the picture a little bit later. Yeah. But originally, I'm not sure why we've been so weird about Neil Young. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> We're like, oh, sorry, We're Neil Young. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh dear. Originally, the fourth member, the fourth member was supposed to be Steve Winwood. If you've heard of him, yes, I have heard of uh, who, who was already occupied with his own supergroup, Blind Faith, fe- <laughs> fe- featuring Eric Clapton yeah, and right. Ginger Baker. So anyway, I'm really looking forward to talking about this album because I listened to this just this morning and I thought it was fantastic. Right. So before we do that, we're going to move move on to some trivia. Released May 29th, 1969. Yep. It was uh, self-produced by the trio, and I. We've sort of talked about how self-production is a little bit dangerous, but these guys are absolute professionals in what they do. Yeah, but I would have thought you would have had a manager, uh, a, a producer, just because of the ego thing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. They're, they're, they're all kind of... They're, they, they're three big artists. Um, ju- judging from the songs on this album, they don't really strike me as ego-conscious or you know mm. having big egos. You know, They all get their moment in the spotlight, sure, but it doesn't seem like a real... You know, oh, this is my moment, guys. You know, Not, you know, they'll sing their songs. They don't have any real big moments, yeah, no, da- uh, solo no. moments. But together, they just make this unbelievable yeah. chemistry well, that you'll David hear. David Geffen is on the production list as direction. Okay, so perhaps he was the one that kind of kept him on track. But the musical production, mm. and there's another one. There's another person on the uh, production oh. list that is very interesting. I hadn't seen this before. It reminds me of when. On Chinese Democracy when Guns N' Roses were recording, they had the Aura Tester. They, <laughs> yes. they paid him 50 grand or something. Something ridiculous. Ahmet Iturgan. Who, yeah, I, I saw the uh, his role as a part of the album. What was it called, Campbell? It was the Spiritual Guidance. Uh, I don't actually know what he does. I don't know what... It provides I, spiritual guidance, but he, I guess. I, I, I thought he would have been, you know, like a, a monk or something. Yeah. But he's not. He's just a dude in a suit. So I'm just... Funny that. I'm just really confused about this whole um, whole thing. Um, so there you go. He must have must have provided a pretty good guidance thing because he's got his name on the, on the, on the list. That's true. So I hear some of his good work. Yes, yeah. I'm sure it'll be very evident on the final album. Uh, so I want to go to the album cover. Just an interesting little thing I found about it. Mm. So although the band is called Crosby, Stills and Nash, they're actually reversed on the album cover. So if you have a bit, just have a bit of a look, Campbell. Uh, so uh, from left to right, it's actually Nash, Stills and Crosby. Do you think perhaps the photo was taken the wrong way? Yeah, there's no real particular reason to why it was. Uh, it came out like this, but yeah. I just thought that was an interesting little, little uh, bit of trivia. Yeah, just you know, it's reverse. It's sort of like when well, this is one of my absolute pet peeves. Mm. Uh, you see movie posters, yeah, and you'll have the actors' names in the you know top part of the thing, and the way they appear on the poster isn't aligned to the names up on the top of the screen. So, for example, you have Brad Pitt, uh, George Clooney, yeah. Um, Cameron Diaz or whatever. Ocean's Eleven and, and, or something. <laughs> it could be. Matt you know. Damon. Matt Damon. Uh, and, but it'll be, you know, Matt Damon on the far left, hmm. Cameron Diaz, George Clooney. That's such an interesting and, cast. Yeah, it is an interesting cast, isn't mm. it? And, yeah, that's just one of my pet peeves. So it's sort of a bit like that. Yeah. Well, uh, it was, um, what was his name? He took the photo. Uh, Henry Diltz. Mm. Um, so, you know, he just has to um, get better. 
for that. <laughs> it's lift. I think he might be dead. Bit of attention to detail required. Yeah, I, I mean, like you've got a pretty, pretty big job, mate. So let's not. Let's not. Let's not stop. Is, is he still with us? Oh, he could yeah. be. Oh yeah, he is. He is. He's uh. 1938. We just, just pretend we know all of this on the top of our head and not uh, yeah, know, no, aren't yeah. ref- referencing uh, the internet. No, we got to look this up. It saves it saves the listeners from looking this stuff up. You know. Yeah, it's true. Time is time is important these days. It is. So, the album it's got to be mentioned features our mate mm. Jim Gordon. Our mate Jim Gordon. Our mate Jim Gordon. Now, it, if, it was only a matter of time before his name popped up again on a podcast. If this is your first podcast, you've got a little bit to catch up on. Yeah. Well, firstly. Do you want to provide a bit of backstory on Jim Gordon and who he is? Yeah, well, I, I started my Jim Gordon obsession. Um, it's interesting you call it an obsession. Yeah, I'm really fascinated with this dude. He's very interesting. Um, listening to The Piano on Layla by Derek and the Dominoes, yep. another supergroup. Funnily enough. If you will. Uh, I think that is some of the most beautiful piano playing I've ever heard. And then I also found out that he played drums on the same record. I'm like, cool. So I looked him up. I'm like, I wonder what he's doing now. He's uh, spending the rest of his days in a in a psych ward for uh, attacking his mother with an axe. Yes. And that's just really cool, isn't it? Okay, in a weird in a weird way. <laughs> not the word I'd use to describe. I'm not saying it, but... <laughs> track by track officially don't endorse axe murder. Um, I'm just but... saying it's a very interesting kind of thing in a really dark and macabre way. It's, yeah, it's, I, I know what you mean. Especially as kind of this creative person who just, I just find him really fascinating. But then, he, then knowing that, go and scrub to about 5.30 on Layla and listen to the piano. Beautiful. It's or stunning. Anywhere on Pet Sounds. Anywhere on Pet Sounds. Because he played drums on that or percussion on that. Yeah. And he also plays on one track here, so we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later. Yep. A uh, um, couple other little... Oh, sorry, did you have anything? No, that's all, Jack. Please. Oh, beautiful. Uh, best new album at the 1970 Grammys. Yeah, yeah. Or new artist, I best think Best new artist, yeah. Best, best new, new artist. artist. Uh, also, their first gig was at Woodstock. No biggie. No biggie. I was joking with a friend, actually my girlfriend, not just a friend, the other day I said <laughs> they're just this... I was explaining what we were doing and saying, oh, yeah, they played their, their first gig at Woodstock just in front of a lazy 90,000 or something over there. Probably, probably. God, there were a lot of people at Woodstock. Yeah. Probably more than that. Yeah, this is the first first morning of the first day. Right. That they opened. And that, and that built on attendance-wise, yeah. Yeah. So, so go on. And, uh, yeah, so... Just gives them that. I suppose because they've already got that the names. Yeah. Like that's what a that's what a supergroup can do. That a regular band can't. They can't just say, oh, "Okay, we're just going to open Woodstock." Um, oh, actually, Bill Withers opened Woodstock. They must be up there. Um, but uh, yeah, this is kind of what that supergroup title does mm. allows you to to do those crazy things. Exactly. And the final bit of trivia we have here, it was just would not be a bit of a trivia segment without a bit of Rolling Stone magazine. Ranked at 259 on the 500 greatest albums of all time yeah. list, Campbell. Didn't break into the top 50%? Just didn't. Just, just missed just out missed on Just missed out by nine spots. But saying that, if you were, you know, ranked in the first 51, 52% of the list, you'd be pretty happy. Yeah, like I'm in the top 52% of track-by-track track hosts. That's true. That's at, very at true. At least... At least the top 50. <laughs> we need to run a poll on that, I reckon. It's just like two people voting on it, you and me. <laughs> yeah, that's good. 
Yeah, well, we've got like 63 likes now. A couple extra likes came in this week, which is good to see. Are they good? I think we well, go, welcome aboard. After about 65 now. So it's good to see a bit of uh, bit of support. It's always good. That's good. So uh, we've been babbling, off, babbling on long enough. So we'll yeah. move straight on to the first song. So this is literally called Sweet, as in sweet, like a music sweet. Yeah. Judy Blue Eyes. I am yours. You are mine. You are what you are. Well, it's interesting because it's such a long song. Yeah. What you would have played. Yeah, well, what I was thinking, I obviously just played something then, which I think, knowing uh, editing me in, you know, five hours or so, Mm. uh, I probably would have played a part from the first section of the song. Yeah. But what I want to do now is I actually want to, because this song is a suite. It's a suite of, like, four different music parts. Different sections. Different sections uh, that are all that little bit different, yet are all linked somehow. So I'm actually going to play a little montage now of all of those sections. Yeah. So I'll play that now. Getting to the point where I'm no fun anymore. I am sorry. Sing the song, don't be long, thrill me to the marrow. Yeah, it would be way too hard to uh, to do it any other way. Yeah. Um, so I suppose we just go through this section by section to start with. Yeah, I guess so. So start off, you've got that country guitar intro on the acoustic, which plays through one of the, I think it's just one speaker on the left or something. Yep. Uh, so I'll play that now. It's getting to the point where I... Moving on to the next part, some lovely harmony straight away, which captures exactly what this band is about straight away. Yeah, well, it says, you know, the first, I think the first section goes for about three minutes-ish, yes. because it feels like it's a completion of a song, and then it mm. starts again. Um, you know, I am yours, you are mine, you are what you are, kind yep. of that that kind of chorus. And then, you know, that's that first section, pretty standard kind of pop, mm. pop song. Um, that second section... Goes half time, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you saw this. Uh, you found this, this is big, great chart. big structural analysis thing that oh, shows no. all the different time signatures and, yeah, uh, like you said, half time fields and whatnot. Yeah, it's just uh, what I what I know about this song straight away is they leave so much space for those harmonies to fill in. Yeah, 
it's uh, almost like deliberately. Mm. So we we won't play a bass line too low because we want you know yeah um, Stephen's vocals to come in there or we want David's to come in there. You know what I mean? So and it sounds fantastic. It sounds great, absolutely. You know, it's just uh, how long does that second bit go for? From about two minutes. Yeah, about a couple couple of minutes, and each part minutes. from here goes for a couple um, of minutes. And that third section is quite kind of poetic. Mm. Those lyrics are much more poetic. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, not necessarily poetic, but just kind of more thought about, I suppose. Yeah, they have, you know, a bit of imagery in them, I think, from yeah. what I heard. And um, yeah, it's a bit more upbeat as well, yeah. Who, which leads nicely into the is final that where, part. Is that where the uh, kind of percussive, I think it's on the back of an acoustic guitar? Yeah, yeah, there's in. like this little acoustic guitar part. We should just play that. Yeah, I'll play that now. Good pickup. Um, I thought that was kind of a cool little idea. Really? Um, yeah. Because drums would have been a little, little bit too much to come in there. Yeah, there's uh, not too much percussion in this song. Very limited. No. Uh, there's not much electric guitar, a couple lead bits here and there, but again, it just so much, they leave so much room for the vocals to really flourish. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, that final section. Yeah, which uh, we played a bit of earlier. It's sort of like... It's a great little chorus, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, good little hook. Du, 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 du. Yeah. Very good bass as well. Uh, yes. Very melodic. Explain the bass. We spoke about that earlier. Uh, that is a very good I question. I think it's Stephen Stills. He kind of plays most of the instruments. Yes, you're right. He's the kind of Paul yep. McCartney of the, of the band. Of the operation. Can but play everything. Yes, you're right. It's Stephen Stills. Uh, in regards to meaning, so the title, Sweet Judy Blue Eyes. Yes. First of all, the... The use of the word sweet is a play on the word sweet, as in sweet. Bit of a sweet mate. double entendre. Yes. So it refers to Stephen Stills, uh, his former girlfriend. So this is a Stephen Stills song first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Uh, so his former girlfriend was singer-songwriter Judy Collins, who's a country folk uh, performer. Right. And the lyrics to pretty much all the sections are about his thoughts about her and their sudden breakup. How just cool she is. Yeah. It seems kind of positive. Yeah, it's a posi- it's, it's, it sounds like a positive song, doesn't it? Yeah. And in the meantime, it has that perfect blend between folk, country, and rock. This this album has so many different subgenres in there. I mean, we hear some psychedelic stuff a little bit later. Uh, the other thing is, well, ranked 418 on the Rolling Stone list of 500 greatest songs of all time. And number 11 on the Canadian charts. On the Canadian charts. That's a little, little fact I saw just before. Yep. And you saw something about the guitar tuning. I did. They have a, a form of modal guitar tuning, which means it, it, it goes in with itself. If something's modal, it, it's kind of it, it's a cohesion. Yep. Uh, their six-string acoustic guitar is E, 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 B, E. So it's got one B string. Yep. And uh, So it's like a very open tuning. Yeah. Yeah. I think they play most of those little breaks on that on that B string. Mm. So... I thought that was cool. You could kind of hear it. It's almost has, it almost has a bit of a sitar kind of feel. It does, it. doesn't it? So I thought that's just those little ideas um, are pretty cool. It um, yeah, you go. Might be a little bit long. I mean, it has these different sections, but some of them are a little samey yeah. and a little repetitive. Yep, I would agree. But that's like my only criticism. And especially for an opener. I mean, we like, as in we, you and me, like a short... Snappy. Snappy 
get to the point openers. Mm. Whereas this is a bit, especially for a debut album, yeah. it's quite ambitious. Um, well, they're a super group, so... Yeah, that's the thing. They can go, yeah, whatever. They sort of want to provide something that delivers on the hype. Yeah. In the form of this uh, seven-minute suite. Yeah. But all in all, a, a fairly good start to the album. Yep. All right, next song. This is called Marrakesh Express. Would you know where riding on the Marrakesh Express? Would you know where riding on the Marrakesh Express? They're taking me to Marrakesh all on board the train. All on board the train. I've been saving all my money. Just a perfect, you know, two-minute, 30 song. Yeah, that's just that's just great pop music, isn't it? That's, yeah, brilliant songwriting. Yeah, um, it was originally for the Hollies. The Hollies, wasn't yes. it? Um, yes, I saw that as well. But uh, as uh, we said earlier, Graham Nash wasn't really creatively satisfied with the Hollies, and it was rejected because it wasn't commercial enough. Oh, it sounds pretty commercial. Yeah, it? it sounds pretty commercial, doesn't it? <coughs> yeah, maybe just like in regards to song lyrics, you know, you want something like "Ooh, baby, I love you." And yep. this is about uh, Graham Nash's train ride uh, from Casablanca to Marrakesh. Which would be a great train ride, especially like 1966, yeah, you imagine that. So he had a first-class ticket and realising that the first-class compartment was completely fucking boring, to quote the great man. Um, it wasn't his scene, so he wrote a song about it. Yeah, I and like that. He, he, he moved around the carriage a bit and saw some very interesting things, including some... Uh, you heard some uh, references to ducks, pigs, and chickens yeah. on the train. I heard that. I wonder yeah. what that was all about. Yeah, so that's sort of what he saw and uh, experienced. So in regards to music, so a nice little guitar lead uh, to introduce the tune. Yep. Uh, which I'll play now. Looking at the world through the sunset in your so I also played a little bit of the verse there because although in the previous song I said or we said that the vocals are given plenty of room to breathe and all that, I don't think that's the case here. And I think the lead part actually drowns out some of the vocals. Yeah. Uh, Graham Nash's vocals. Yeah. Which is a shame because it's a great sounding verse, but I just think that lead part isn't really necessary there. I would, uh, I agree. Um, however, I would say that I would put it in because it adds a nice difference from the first track. Yeah. So they're showing that they can they can self-produce in uh, in different ways. Um, so I, yeah, a very interesting point, but I think that it's almost a a, a decision mm. to go. Oh, we'll we'll, kind of, we'll beef it up a little bit. It may not be. It yeah. may just be coincidence. But yeah. Anyway, it's a nice change of tempo. It's a bit of a bit of a shuffle. It is, yeah. Beat with uh, Jimmy. Yeah, Jimmy oh, on this drums. is what I was leading to. Jimmy Gordon on drums. So yeah. this is the only thing he does on the whole album. But you just got to bring it up. They didn't use him very well, I don't. No, think. they didn't. Did but they? Do they know who they're dealing with? Oh, come on. Come well, on. if they realised what he did uh, later in his life, exactly they probably right. would have given yeah. him a little bit more. Maybe that's what he's so upset about. <laughs> that's what drove him to insanity. Yeah. Uh, the fact he only played one song for Graham Nash yeah. uh, and stills in Nash. Yeah. There's some great melodies again, great harmonies, and there's this one section which is sort of like a, you know, the instruments drop out and just leaves the vocals to do their acrobatics, if you will. Yeah. So I'll play that now. Just to take you there, I smell the garden in your hair. 
I don't have too much else. Uh, just another really nice song. It's a nice change, again, nice change of pace after that real n- nearly eight-minute opener. This yeah. is only about two minutes, 30. So we've had a song, Sweet Judy Blue Eyes, written by Stephen Stills in yep. entirety. Marrakesh Express, written by Graham Nash in entirety. That's right. And the next one is written by David Crosby. So That's we're right. seeing a, 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 a difference in uh, yeah, straight, songwriters. Yeah, straight away... First three songs, three different songwriters, three different lead vocalists. Yeah, which is great. shows shows that everyone's involved and doing something, which yeah. is which is good in a super group. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, so here is the next song. How do you say this? I would say Guinevere. Guinevere. We'll go with that. All right, here it is. Guinevere had green eyes like yours. She'd walk down through the garden in the morning after it rained. Bit of a darker tone and a bit of a change of theme on Absolutely. what we've heard so far. Absolutely. Yeah, so thoughts on that one? Guinevere, I apologise, not Guinevere. Yes, Guinevere. Um, beautiful song. Um, yeah, it is. I wonder if it? it needed a bit of a pulse at the end there. I'd agree. I, I, I like th- some some light percussion, yeah, like a bongo some, or yeah, a conga. Yeah, or yeah, or yeah, exactly. Not necessarily drums, but just something to fill out the sound a little bit more yeah. because it's a four minute thirty song and it's fairly repetitive. And we get the guitar hook; it's great, brilliant, yeah, it's fantastic. And they just repeated that little yeah. bit too much. Well, I don't think I could repeat it, but even like a, I'm going to get pretty weird here, but like in the end there, and it just plays that outro. Have the guitar, have some some bongos, and then get like a. Like a horn, some, like a some horns. All right, just to play a little kind of out. Yeah, yeah, know, something weird, or you know, even a that'd be cool. It's like some, or a re- flute some or reverb on it or something. Yeah, make it sound that little bit haunting. Yeah, that's because it is eerie. It's an eerie yeah, piece of music. So I would like to see them kind of grow on that idea yeah. a little bit more. Um, I mean, I know in every podcast I try and reproduce the album. Yeah, essentially. Well, that's our job in a way, and tell them what they should have done yeah. in the studio, but. That's what I would have done, because um, hmm. yeah, right at the end, yeah, yeah, yeah I get it. You know, I, yeah. I was tapping on the on the table. Yeah, just wanting something. Just wanting something in there, an extra kind of an extra beat or whatever. So, yeah. um, but look, but great song. Great, great song. Beautiful, so beautiful song. Uh, it's a bit of an eerie tune, which really stems from that dissonant sounding intro with the guitars. Yeah. So I'll play that now. this really lovely sounding blend of acoustic and electric so you've got like the acoustic playing through the, like the left speaker and the electric yep. playing through the right and then the vocals come through right like through yeah. the middle panning is an interesting thing they've done on this album the, where the sound is coming from is important on this record so far mm. these last three songs I mean 1968 you've got very basic recording equipment um, the Beatles are the best in panning ever yes with, with George Martin at the helm yeah, of course that's, that's their thing but 
Yeah, talking about where where you're hearing the sounds from in the mix is is something that's I think not done these days very well, but was done in the late 60s, early 70s really well. Yes. And this album is a great example of that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm even enjoying listening going, oh yeah, I'd have that there, I'd have that there. That all makes sense to me. So yes. the first three songs are really enjoyable just to listen to. Yeah, all a little bit different yeah. as well. So this is a David Crosby song. Yep. Uh, it's quite interesting. So it's about Queen Guinevere, yep. who uh, in legend was the wife of King Arthur. Okay. And is it's David Crosby comparing her to someone he currently loves, who's Joni Mitchell. I see. I see. Yes. It's quite an interesting idea for a song, isn't it? Yeah. Funnily enough, there's another love song towards Joni Mitchell mm. later than this album, but it's by another member. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. So we'll get into that a little I bit see. later. I see. But look, Guinevere, I, I really like that. Mm. I do really That main hook as yes. well, which we played in the intro, brilliant. Yeah, so could it be a little, you know, tighten up the screws a little bit on that? Yeah. Um, yeah, very cool. Yep. Here is the next song, You Don't Have to Cry. And the difference between me and you. I won't argue right or wrong, but I have time to cry, baby. You don't have to cry. I said cry, my baby. You don't have to cry. I said cry. Good tune, that one. Yeah, I not I wouldn't put it in the same kind of uh, Guinevere. Yeah, those last three Marrakesh um, Express sort of. Yeah, certainly still very cool. Yeah. So we're going back to Stephen Stills here. This is his song. Uh, straight away, very much a tuned down song. Yes. You hear the guitars tuned down, which adds a nice uh, bit of a change to the sound. The verse melodies in particular in this song are fantastic. Yes. Uh, so I'll play some of those now. In the morning, when you rise, do you think of me and how you left me crying? Are you thinking of telephones? And just with that verse, you hear these lovely little acoustic leads scattered throughout. And these yes. love you can, you know, hear these harmonics which mm. add a great tone to the to the song. Mm. Absolutely. Yes. Uh <laughs> yes. Yes, you do. Yeah, but it, it is those those little comments that it's like that's it has to be noted that, you mm. know. Yeah, I thought don't know. Don't know about that one. Don't know. Maybe on, maybe on the you know, first, second, third listen, it might grow on me. Um, but yeah, you know, a, a good little. It's a little bit of a ditty, though, isn't it? It is. So, so just a couple other bits and pieces. Again, very limited percussion mm. uh, so far on the album in general. Could boy Jimmy back in there for a bit yeah, of a Jimmy, bit of Jimmy would be yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, and fun fact: this was also the first song that the trio ever played together. Yes. They were in Joni Mitchell's living room. Yeah, right. I heard. Be There's a lot of Joni Mitchell on this album, um, despite the fact she doesn't actually appear on it. She's referenced quite a bit. Yeah, well, that's imagine the the drug use, that Joni Mitchell spice. <laughs> you were saying, are, you were saying before the podcast, are any of these guys like hardcore drug addicts? Well, yeah, it's crazy. Like you think about like these big heavy rock and roll bands or whatever. You go, oh yeah, I understand it. Mm. But these guys, like Dave Crosby, the dude loves drugs. His favorite thing <laughs> was his favorite thing. 
Like, Maybe like, not so much now. No, he's seventy six. He doesn't. He doesn't seem to uh, suit that whole image. Mm. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, sort of. Yeah. Like it's not. It's not like like super cocaine induced rock and roll thing. It's sort of like classy. Yeah, and it's like softy ballad and mm. a little bit girly. You know what I mean? <laughs> cool. Yeah, you get me. You know, you know, you know what I mean? It's um. But yeah, no, yeah, no. They they love their drugs. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Good segment that one. Um. So next song. <laughs> this is a song called Free Road Downs. Enjoy. I have kissed you, so I'll miss you on the road. I'll be wanting. Bit of rock and roll. Yeah, very much rock and roll, that one. Bit of old, you know. Which is good. It's good. Yeah. Really good. Uh, bit of Graham Nash songwriting there. Yes. Um, the backwards guitar. Let's just talk about the backwards guitar yeah, before so we get into for, anything. Firstly, let's just play a bit of that. You may continue. Uh, I, I like backwards guitar. Yeah. I enjoy listening to it. It's sort of like satisfying to listen to it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, it always sounds like kind of sticky, isn't it? Mm. Um, I think it's a little too much. Yeah, I think it's a little bit overdone. Like in this, I, I think it's. You know, we actually interesting. I'll just interject really quickly. We haven't had a, a. We didn't really have a meeting today about what we thought about the album. No. All of this is just off the cuff, and we seem to be saying the exact same things. There you go. Yeah. Very true. No, um, I noted that as well. It shows a bit of psychedelic influence creeping into the into the songs. It does. Uh, and it's good in the intro, as we just played, but it sort of just continues throughout the whole song. And it was probably a new thing that was discovered around that time, the and whole backwards guitar and thing. And so I thought, let's just... Yeah, a bit of, bit of a novelty. We'll give it a let's shot. Just kill it, yeah. We'll dedicate a song to it. But still a really good song. I, I like this one. Yeah, I like the uh, Hotels and Midnight Coaches, Be Sure to Hide the Roaches. Yeah, so funny fact... Just going to that, this is the only song on the album to finish, uh, feature an additional singer. So this features Cass Elliot, who was the sing, uh, singer in Mama and the Puppers. She's a great singer. Yeah. I didn't know her so name, she, but she's she, fantastic. She's singing in that part you just mentioned. Okay. So we'll play that now. But just going back to the backwards guitar, so that's played by Stevie, mm. Stevie Stills. Uh, and apparently when he first did it, David Crosby was just like, you know, how he got it to match up with the forward stuff. I have no idea this how he did it. Mars. Yeah, this guy's from Mars. You're reading the same thing I am. Yeah. You're reading the exact same thing I am. Well, I was just looking up at this, this, this interview, you know. It's this year he did an interview about this album. Mm. So, um, Still relevant. Still relevant, absolutely. And it's just seeing the, reading the, reading the interview. Just seeing that it's the who's who of 1960s folk. Yes. It was like all my mates, you know, Paul Cantor from Jefferson Airplane and Joni Mitchell and <laughs> Cass and I all just hanging out. It's like, of course. Yeah, you're. in a house. In a house. Yeah. In Joni just Mitchell's jam- living. Jamming. Yeah. yeah, but uh, look, good song. So 
yeah, something a little bit more rockier, rockier, which is something we haven't had so far, and I like that psychedelic influence creeping in. Definitely works. Yep. Gotcha. So we're going to move on to the next song now, which is a bit more of a story-focused song. Yeah. Which is really, I really like this one. So this is called Wooden Ships. Wooden ships on the water, very free and easy. Easy, you know the way it's supposed to be. Silver. On the shoreline, let us be Talking about very free and easy very cool. That was a really good tune, yeah. yeah. Um, I like the, I mean, the bass is fantastic. The drums are by your mate, Dallas Taylor. Yeah, first time he's really uh, been able to show what he's made of. Yeah, I agree. On this album. Absolutely. Um, bit of a kind of a samba groove there. I had to look up the uh, yeah. had to look up the, uh, the the sheet music to see if it was a samba. The, the real kind of Latin based mm. percussion, which is interesting with the kind of the, the organs and the yeah. The, I hear a combination of about four or five different genres in this song. Mm. You've got the intro part, which you know sounds like some chicken picking from country music, and which leads into a more jazzy lead section. There's some serious uh, jazz playing on this, like yeah. playing out of the key signature and all that kind of stuff. Yep, a lot of that. So I'll play a bit of the intro now. So that part sounds a bit like you know a country rock thing. You've got this uh, organ in the background. First time we've heard an organ. First time we've heard something as kind of uh, densely musical. Yeah, I think there's so much going on. So this is a David Crosby song, and it's about essentially the horrors confronting survivors of a nu- nuclear hol- holocaust. He says that you know we imagined ourselves as the few survivors escaping on a boat to create a new civilization. Sounds like something Iron Maiden would sing about. That answers my uh, drugs question, I think. <laughs> no, I, I love the concept of the song, and this is one moment uh, which really builds on that whole story sort of uh, concept, you know, theatrical sort of thing, and that's sort of like a call and response between two different vocals. That's really cool. That yeah, part. so I'll play that now. Say, can I have some of your purple berry? Yes, I've been eating them. Six or seven weeks now, I haven't got sick once. Bob Ricky was So they're singing about like purple berries, and it's like, oh, I haven't got sick yet because that's like the only thing they can eat. Yeah. And I, I would love to hear some more of that and more using, you know, some more melodies uh, rather than, than those ones, which were fine, but I think more could have been done uh, in that regard. But really, really love this song. Absolute corker of a chorus yes fantastic chorus and as you said some really good jazz playing yeah i mean the guitar on this was um yeah a bit out there at times yeah some of those leads but i really enjoyed that i really enjoyed kind of the rises and falls and the when it would lift and Mm. it would kind of come down and relax it really had a bit of everything again it was a bit of a darker sort of song as well in regards to topic matter and 
uh, music as well. Absolutely, I agree. Yep, really, really good. So last few songs now, four songs actually. So this is called Lady of the Island, and this is the second song written for Joni Mitchell. Right. So we'll get to that now. undisturbed before the fire the pressure in my chest when you breathe in my ear We both knew this would happen when you first appeared My lady of the island the brownness of Again, another change of pace, bit of a quieter folk song. Yeah, I don't think that really that one did it for me as much. Mm. Um, I think I think it's the guitar playing. It's it a, it's a like, little sloppy. At it sounded like it was like someone just learning to play the guitar. Yeah, not Stephen Stills. Yeah, well, this is actually uh, Graham Nash playing. I is believe. He playing yeah, on it? right. Well, there you go. If, if he, wrote, he, wrote, he wrote the song. He wouldn't have a problem, would he? Um, <laughs> yeah, just, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with it. But it just didn't click with me like the. Uh, yeah. It's the first one I've actually thought. No, nah, not really. Mm, I'm I'm about the same actually. Mm. Like I thought it was okay. I thought there were some lovely chord changes. The melodies I thought were a little limited or mm. lacking rather. Same with harmonies. Yep. Uh, I think there's only some nice harmonies there at the end though. With, oh yeah. I think Dave Crosby. Yeah, it's uh, just not as dynamic mm. as what we've heard. And I think this song's deliberately been written and recorded to have that real quiet, soft, stripped back, thing, stripped yeah. back feel to it. Like uh, You've got reverb on the vocals to make those stand out a little bit more. Uh, but as mentioned earlier, sorry, I just banged my knee against the table there. Uh, I do it all the time. At, <laughs> it's part of the soundtrack that I bring, I think. <laughs> so again, this is a Graham Nash, Nash song, Love Letter to Joni Mitchell. And again, the second love song towards her on this album. Mm. But apparently, there was no inner jealousy or conflict in the band because of this. No beef. No Good. beef. Good Absolutely none. Which is interesting, considering rock stars are very, you know... Yeah, but they were a bit, they were a bit free love, mate. Yeah, that's true. This is like this is the thing about late 60s. Free love. Everyone just enjoy yourself. That's very Smoke true. Dude. <laughs> all that kind of stuff. That's what the kids do these days. Yeah, I was there, man. I was there back in the 60s. I know what it was all about. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just thought, yeah, again, it was just a little bit lacking. Yeah. Yep. Next song's great, though, everyone. Oh, fantastic. So we'll move straight into that now. So this is a Stephen Still song, another one called Helplessly Hoping. Helplessly hoping Beautiful song. That's more what I was looking for yeah. a bit earlier. Um, that's their... I mean, if you look, if you Google Crosby, Stills and Nash, this that's is, their This song. is their bread and butter. Um, it's gorgeous. Yeah, really, really beautiful. So this is a Stephen Still song, and it's another song that details his breakup with Judy Collins. Right. Uh, like the uh, suite at the beginning. Yes. Yes, well, God, if these guys never had a relationship, they wouldn't be able to have a band. No, yeah. that's true. That's, that's it. That's man. very, very true. So this was, going into this album, this was the only song I, you know, 
knew that I had heard before, yep. mainly because one of my favourite bands, Taxi Ride, actually do a fantastic cover of this on their debut album, right. which is brilliant. There you go. Absolutely brilliant. It's all like a modern interpretation. Yeah, anyone listening to this right now, if you think that having Taxi Ride as one of your favourite bands is weird, do write in. Have you heard much of Taxi Ride? I have, Ride? I have. I've heard the stuff you showed me, yeah. but, and I've seen my mum likes them as well. A strange, like, favourite band, you know what I mean? Like, like, They're just good. They are good. They are essentially, you know, Crosby, Stills and Nash mm. brought to the modern era. They have the same real style in their vocal harmonies, but with more of a modern rock sort of thing. Abs- they're absolutely fantastic. For anyone listening, I highly encourage you to check them out. Right. It's always something that's always puzzled me. Not in, I'm not I'm not perturbed by it, but it's, it's I certainly do find it interesting. Oh, okay. Yeah. There you go. Uh, so there's a lovely chorus in this song. I played the verse earlier, but with the chorus, you've got the lyric. You know, they are one person, two uh, people, three. Yeah. Yeah, and the harmonies. Uh, for every you know number they go up, an additional harmony is added. Yeah. So you got the one harmony with the. One person, two harm, um, two harmonies for two people. Yep, and then three harmonies for the next part, which is I think is a brilliant bit of songwriting. Yeah, I wonder if that was um, written into the song, or they decided to do that on the day. You know what I mean, it's one of those decisions. Mm. I think it's a deliberate thing. Yeah, I know it's deliberate, yeah. but whether they when they're writing the songs just in the lounge room, or whatever, whether they do they say, oh, then we'll do this and we'll do this, or do they, as they were developing the song at the studio, do they say? Mm. Let's do this. Well, anyway, here's the chorus now for those curious. Hello, they are one person. They are two alone. They are three together. They are four for each other. But yeah, just a clever bit of songwriting, I find. I like that. It just adds that extra dimension to it. But look, another really, really good tune. Yeah. Another really good tune. So we move on to the second last song of the album now. This song has a bit of a, a bit of <coughs> Doors influence, I find. Okay. Yeah. So this is called Long Time Gone. And it appears to be Appears to be Appears to be It's a long, 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 long time before the dawn. That is so 70s, that song. Yeah. That know, real 70s rock sort of thing. It sounds like Cream to me. Sounds like The Doors as well. And the Doors, yeah. yeah. Sort of this mixture. I feel... Who's on lead guitar, Jack? Ooh, that is a very good question. That would be... Well, Crosby and Nash... Both play rhythm guitar oh, they're for, rubbish. A lot of, for a lot of tracks. They're rubbish. Whoever's playing guitar is rubbish. Let's the whole song down, in my opinion. Yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit stock. It isn't needs. It? It's a stock. You need. Um, actually, could you just cut in Lars Oric? I will. That? I'll, I'll do that right now. No, it's a little stock. Thanks. Um, what I'm trying to say is, that they need someone like who can just rip it up. Clapton, like Clapton. But he was busy with his other four super groups yeah, at like the time. Someone who's just going to come in and you know they're going to do their thing. Even like Hendrix. Can you imagine getting Hendrix in to play a session? I think he was dead around this time. No. What time? Did, what year did he die? Was he sixty-nine? Like Seventy. Um, but you know, something like that. You know, just mm. to. Uh, oh, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Oh, I mean, seventy. Yeah. Seventy. You're right. Sorry. He was still alive. 
I love his middle name was Marshall. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, so I would have had something like bringing in a special guest. That would have been kind of cool. That would be cool. Or yeah. just play good, good guitar. Good yeah. it, it just licks. it sounds just improvised, and at the time it probably sounded great. Yeah. But I don't think that sort of guitar style is dated yeah, too right. well or aged too well. Do you reckon they're going to come out for a tour next year? I doubt it. Somehow. Why? Because they're all really old. Yeah, but it's a fifty-year anniversary of this album. Sixty-nine. This was released. Ah, oh, gotta wait one more year. Yeah, makes it less likely. Yeah, very likely. Um, so, as we said earlier, there's a bit of Doors influence in this one, particularly in that intro. So, I'll play a bit of that now. I find that really fitting because the drummer Dallas Taylor actually had a bit of a stint in the doors for a little while. Right. What was John Densmore doing at the time? Uh, not too sure, to be honest. Um, but uh, I think he was Dallas Taylor was sort of like backing him up, like oh, a yeah. second drummer sort of deal, because I think he appeared on a live album. Cool. Don't quote me on that though, but this is a David Crosby song written about the assassination of Robert F. Kennedy. Yeah, Bobby. Bobby Kennedy, not JFK. No. His, uh, his brother, Robbie. You know, Robbie. You know how people say, you know, is the Pope a Catholic? You know that? Yeah, yeah. You know, did you watch last night's game of 40? Well, is the Pope a Catholic? Of course I did. The best one I've ever heard uh, are the Kennedy's gun shy. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's great, yeah. That's a great little one to use because it makes people go, ooh, ooh, like that. But, mate, come on. It was yeah. 40 years ago. Yeah. 50, 50. Let's move on. Yeah. So the Kennedy, the Kennedys didn't have great luck with uh, no. with guns, they did they? The guns. They didn't like bit, them bit, bit of a pattern there. But one, think, of them, one of them died in a plane crash. Is that right? Yeah. One of them died in a plane crash. Okay. can't remember who it was. I think there's some really good groove in this song. Absolutely. Uh, you know, really emphasised by the drums and to a degree the, the guitar licks. I think they demonstrate a bit of groove as well. Uh, bass as well now that I think of it. that sort of helps a bit yeah. it's, it's a good jam isn't it yeah yeah I mean Victor Wooten says above all else groove mm. um, which is important I think because if you're you know if they're, even if they're not the right notes people will forget about it if it's in the groove um, and I think that's how the guitarist gets away with it yeah um, it's not great guitar playing but, but it the is songwriting's it's within the pocket the style the yeah right. yeah exactly uh, another great chorus in this song again I think that's a real 70s sort of chorus, in my opinion, sort of a precursor to what's to come. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think it ended with a bit of a whimper. I think there could have been a bit of a bigger ending, but another great song. Yeah. Yep. So now we move on to the final track. This is 49 Bye Bye's. Closer. Do you reckon? You know, maybe not as a closer. I think it's a good song. It reaffirms, but it reaffirms what the band is about. The harmonies, melodies, just pure catchiness. Yes. Yes. It just doesn't... Doesn't do it for you? It's a good song. Mm-hmm. 
doesn't do it for me as a closer. Okay, well, I... But I, but I see your point yes. about it's all-encompassing all of the band. I yes. understand that. Yes. Well, I actually had an idea for a potentially better closer, which mm. we'll get to a little bit later. But, look, I think this is a really good song. This is a Stephen Still song to finish off everything. And this is about someone who uh, left him for another man, but he still loves her and just wants her to be happy. Yep. God, Stevie. Uh, yeah, look, despite that, yeah, finishes the album on a real upbeat note and it just proves that they're absolute masters of their craft and I want to, I want to hear more of this sort of stuff on the album because okay. I think there was a, a couple of songs like uh, Lady of the Island and uh, maybe something like You Don't Have to Cry that were maybe just lacking a little bit mm -hmm. good songs but just could have used a little more polish and uh, with a couple of things and even the lead guitar on a song like Long Time Gone uh, could have been improved, but so it's not a perfect album, but mm. it's certainly still, you know, I, I can certainly see why this is considered one of the best supergroup albums out there, and one of the best supergroups. That's true. They are the first supergroup. They say they're the first supergroup. Yep. And you know, if if the next couple of albums we look at follow in the same vein of great songs, catchy choruses, um, great music, then uh, we're in for a treat. Beautiful. So. We've done the album as usual. Campbell, do you have a favourite song for me? I do. Mm -hmm. Wooden Chips? Yep. I'd agree with that. If not, Helplessly Hoping. Yep. I'd put certainly put that up there as well. I think Long Time Gone was good. Long and Time I, Gone was good. Uh, and Marrakesh Express was also very good. Yes. But uh, Wooden Chips would certainly be my favourite. Yeah. So now we come to the uh, moment where we restructure the album a little bit. Uh, there hasn't been too much that we've talked about for this one because there's not really too much we want to change. Lady on the Lady of the Island didn't really offer too much. We've already got a Joni Mitchell love song on the album, so yeah. we, don't, we don't need to. Yeah, we don't need to. So we yeah. can, we'll yeah, uh, that. we'll, we'll that. leave that off. It's, yeah, it's a four minute, a uh, forty minute album, and this song's only about two and a half minutes. So really, there's not too much lost. Yeah. Uh, and as for a better closer, I actually think a song like Long Time Gone could be a a better cl closer because I think it's a bit more. I know it just has that sort of vibe to it. Something a little bit more serious and yeah, I like that. Uh, another good chorus and uh, and very kind of very cool to name it that as well. Because imagine like if they all died. That's true. And it's their last <laughs> first album and they're a long time gone. That's also true. Yeah, that's so that's you know uh, obviously not predicting that to happen, but. Ideal, ideally not. It's no. cool. It's, they're just like, guys, wouldn't it be cool <laughs> if we wrote a song? And then we all died. <laughs> no, it's true. But, you know, it's, it's quite a great way to finish an album with a title like that. It's, it's some relation to time itself, I think, is really cool. Yeah. Another thing I also thought of, the song Sweet, Judy Blue Eyes, maybe that song could be broken up into a couple of different songs. Because you've sort of got... It's not a sweet then, is it? Well, it was, is there a point of making it a sweet well, I, I like the idea that it's a the sweet... play on words, probably. Yeah, but could you turn that into two great songs instead of one great song? Too late to do it now, isn't it? About 50 years too late, yeah. yeah. But hypothetically... Don't mind that idea. Actually. But hypothetically, I think that's another thing they could have done. Uh, so you could take out Lady of the Island and put in two uh, Judy, sweet Judy Blue Eyes tracks. Yeah, okay. You know what I mean? One can even be like a reprise later on, if you know what I mean, mm. featuring the second half. Oh, Jackie Walker. Look at me. Look That's at this. That's a great idea. Look at this. So now we move to the end. So overall, good album. Good album. I, I was listening, listening to this earlier and I was just you know, bobbing my head at some of these you know, melodies and rhythms and just the, the harmonies absolutely. are absolutely 
lived up to expectation. Yep. Yep. I and, agree. And I saw a live performance of them probably a couple of years ago yeah. without Neil Young, just yeah. so you know. Don't say Neil Young. <laughs> Don't say Neil Young. <laughs> so weird, yeah. And they sounded absolutely fantastic still. Yeah. I mean, their vocals have deepened a little bit as they've aged and they aren't as sharp as they used to be, but they're still very melodically and harmoniously intact. So you got you really have to give full credit to the boys, don't you? Yeah, they've they've kept in good shape despite the fact they're all mid seventies now. Yeah. You know, they're just absolute professionals and it'd be very interesting to see what a Crosby Stills and Nash album would sound like in twenty seventeen. Well there is they released one twenty twelve, I believe. Did they? They did. Check that out. It's called CSN. C- I thought you said CNN for a second. No, CSN. As in, as in the news network. News. Did you hear about, by the way, did you hear about uh, in England, they're, uh, they're stopping Fox News? Because nobody really? watches it. Like, nobody watches it. Why would you? So they, No one should watch it. They're just, they're, just, they're just taking it off the air completely. I don't mind that. Bit of interesting media news for you. I like that. I like yeah. that. There you go. There's for the one for the Year 12 media students. Yeah, that's it. Just to keep that's you it. up to date. Uh, is there anything else to bring up? So, Supergroup September, we will be continuing throughout the month of September. Next obviously. week, we don't know what we're doing. Shh. Don't we? We're we're not supposed to know. We've that. absolutely no idea. So, if you have any <laughs> suggestions, yeah, by all means, next week. by all means, send them through. We've got some ideas. Yep. But nothing. Nothing to, in concrete yet. Usually, we, we, we have we've, them all planned. We've, we've got one planned, which will be the, the uh, last one we do. But the next two that we're going to do, are, you know. A little unsure of. We've got a rough idea of what we're going to do we're in the like mid seventies would be nice. Late seventies. Yeah, or even like early eighties or yeah. something along those lines. So if you can, yeah, if you think of one, we'd like fine. to do it decade by decade, but we know that's maybe not necessarily the case. And we uh, sort of we were chatting to each other during the week, and we sort of said maybe no Clapton groups. Let's make it interesting. Yeah, because Clapton, as we mentioned before, he was involved in about four of them. You know, he had Derek and the Dominoes, Cream, Cream obviously, Blind Faith. Blind Faith with Steve Winwood. He was just a very, very busy man. Yeah. And didn't he also play for Ringo Starr? Oh, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Oh, with his like All Star band. Yeah. That'd be interesting for to do. Ringo Starr and his All Star band. Although that's more of a live thing than yeah. an actual, uh, you know, out, out, yeah. yeah. Although his recent album Ringo features uh, all the members of his All Star band. <laughs> maybe yeah. we can do that. Yeah, maybe. Maybe not. Actually, no. Maybe not. <laughs> really, maybe not. So just to sum up, if you haven't already, don't forget to rate and review on iTunes and also join the conversation on Facebook. We've got some, I I think we'll have some exciting things to announce at the end of the month that I'm starting to look at. Yes. uh, In regards to just how we can get out there a little bit more. Yes, yes, we will. Make it easier for you to get in contact and all that. So we'll see how we go with that. Uh, But yeah, rate and review on iTunes. Give us a like on Facebook check out some of the previous, you know, little live things we've done. Because we've done a few of the Facebook live things now. We did one right before uh, this show. And I'll tell you what we haven't brought up in this podcast. What's that? We didn't actually bring up Supergroup TV show. That's true. We uh, we mentioned this during the, the live stream, but we didn't actually mention this during the actual show. So just to summarize, sort of part of the inspiration for Supergroup September stemmed from this TV show called Supergroup which is a reality TV show uh, in America that featured five... It's my new favourite show. Oh, definitely. Uh, featured five famous musicians, rock musicians, who are brought together by the gods of reality TV to form a, a supergroup. Mm. And uh, I, I'd seen the first couple of episodes and just sort of thought, oh, yes, supergroup, that'd be a good theme for a, for a month. 
And then I thought, oh, man, I've got to show Campbell this. Mm. So I, just before we did the podcast and the Facebook Live thing, I showed you the first 15 minutes or so of the first episode. Yeah. What, what did you think, Campbell? I'm immediately hooked. I know. I think it's brilliant. Um, I think, first of all, it's a great idea. I can just imagine that, like, someone pitching it in, a, in advertising or, or, you know, to a channel. Yeah. This is the idea. Just can't wait to see how how the plot thickens. Well, I suppose. well, uh, <laughs> this can be like an ongoing thing throughout. Uh, I'll, I'll watch. And I'll, I'll yeah. report. Yeah, as we go. This can be like a homework assignment for everyone listening. Yeah, you, you know, watch the episode. Give it a listen. Give it a watch because it's actually quite entertaining. You'd be surprised. I was surprised. Yeah, and I actually just looked up. There was a plan to make a second season, mm. but featuring uh, all female musicians. Oh yeah. Uh, Anne Wilson of Heart. I'm just looking here. Uh, Charlotte Caffey of the Go-Go's yep. and uh, the drummer of Kid Rock, Stephanie Uhlenberg. Oh, yeah. When, what happened to that? Idea? It says here financial uh, and schedule scheduling difficulties. So mainly financial difficulties, I like to think. So they made no money off the first. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I would almost fund, if I had the money, I'd almost fund another season. <laughs> Purely, like, <laughs> if you think of, like, really rich people, think of like yeah. Bill Gates. He's like, I actually love Supergroup. How much money do I have to throw at this to have another Pro- episode? Produced by Bill Gates. Yeah. I can just imagine that. It's the most unlikely name to yeah. go with He's rock like, and I roll. just really love it. So, <laughs> yeah, I'd do that. Or I'd also do one with, like, young musicians. Yeah. Like, under 25. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the guys from One Direction or whatever, and as a singer, and then mixed with like one of the guys from. Oh no, they're probably over twenty-five. I was going to say one of the guys from Royal Blood or something like that. Oh yeah, I don't know how that. With Alex Turner of the Arctic Monkeys or something. Yeah. Although again, he's over twenty-five. Yeah. But it was interesting because the whole concept for this show was that they had to rehearse a gig, yeah. and in twelve days they had to perform. Yeah, which shouldn't be hard for musicians of this caliber. Well, I'm I'm looking at the set list here. Twelve songs. You've got two ACDC songs. Oh, we haven't even mentioned who was in the band. Oh. So, first and foremost, Ted Nugent, yeah. lead guitar. Yeah. Scott Ian, rhythm guitar of Anthrax, yeah. uh, thrash metal band. Jason Bonham, yeah. uh, son of. Son of John. Uh, on drums. And then you've got Sebastian Buck. Yeah. Buck on, uh, from Skid Row on lead vocals. And then this guy, Evan Sebastian, from this band called Biohazard. Uh, who's playing bass and not really doing much else, if you ask me, aside from being an absolute knob. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're all knobs, by the way. They're all absolute dickheads. Apart from Jason Bonham. Yeah, Jason Bonham's fairly cool-headed because yeah. he's British mm. and he's really chill all the time. But just looking at the set list... Because he's British. There's a... Uh, just a rule. They're, they're esen- <laughs> exactly. They're essentially just performing their own songs. Yeah. Like, you've got two Ted Nugent songs, you've got an Anthrax song. Is any Led Zeppelin? Two Led Zeppelin songs. Uh, you've got a Motorhead song, Skid Row song, Anthrax song. It's, you know, essentially they're all their own stuff. And they actually wrote and recorded an, an original song for the, the whole production. Yeah, right. Would you like to hear a bit now? Just to give you some further incentive to watch the show. Wow. 
That was pretty bad. Yeah, five professional musicians. Well, I say that term fairly loosely uh, for some of them. And that's the best they could come up with. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it didn't uh, sound right either, like mixing wise, did it? No. I mean, we were listening to that on speaker. It might sound different through headphones. It just didn't sound right. Right. No. Oh, I mean, if it you... just it sounded very generic and uninspiring. Yeah, but I'm still gonna watch the show. Still see how the, uh, you know, see how they come together. See how they play live. All yeah, that kind of stuff. We'll, we'll make this a talking point every week. Yeah, because I've only seen the first couple of episodes. I haven't actually seen the full seven episodes. Okay, right. So I'll uh, give those a bit of a watch, and we'll see how we go. Right. But anyway, that is the first episode of Super Grip September. We will wrap this up now. Again, rate and review on iTunes, like on the Facebook page, and just be sure to stay alert for all new things track by track. So I think that will wrap it up. So. I'm Jack. I'm Campbell. And this has been Track by Track with Campbell and Jack. We went a little bit early there, but it's all right. Bye. Bye.